0: want to dive in there, that would be wonderful. Do do grab hold of a Bible, I know they're slightly to the side, um, but we're going to be flipping through it as the good book that it is. So page 1088, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to head straight in at verse 7. Now, To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then verse 31 of chapter 12. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire these gifts that God has for us. And then Paul moves on in uh, chapter 13 to give us just a beautiful discussion of love. And then in chapter 14, um, a discussion around how exactly these gifts operate in a church context. So if you do have a chance this week, maybe in your life groups, maybe in your quiet times, do actually sit down and just read the whole chunk through uh, chapter 12 through to 14. Um, It traces something quite significant in the theology of the gifts of the Spirit. But if we um, rewound just over 2,000 years, we may find ourselves in a little port town called Corinth. And it was almost the Las Vegas of Greece, actually. Um, and Paul had um, gone there just a few years earlier, just a few years before he wrote this letter. And um, that's traced out in Acts 18, if you want to look at the account. And through his preaching of the risen Christ, a number of people had come to know Jesus, had come to know the living God that, that we worship here and now. Probably about 50 of them um, gathered in a house church from um, all walks of life. Some were rich, some were poor. Um, all sorts of jobs. But actually, they'd been converted from this kind of Greco-Roman religion that was like super, super ecstatic. Their understanding of coming together as church and worshipping God was to just get crazier and crazier and crazier. They were probably on some sort of first century ecstasy type drug, um, and they'd whip themselves up into a frenzy. And actually, they then brought this spirituality, this understanding of worship, into their worship as the living God, into their understanding of being a Christian, of church life. And so Paul writes into that context. Um, there are all sorts of issues in the uh, church in Corinth. It wasn't just spiritual difficulties. Um, if you look back in chapters 5 and 6, there's lawsuits among unbelievers. Um, there's a pretty grotesque case of uh, incest and uh, sexual immorality. And so Paul wants to present to them a better vision of the church, actually to present to them what uh, we've been discussing over these past couple of weeks with Tim, that we have a better story, and that within that better story, the Father gives us good gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. But as you read chapters uh, 12 and 14, 3 to 14, actually sometimes you can think, Paul, you know, what are you getting at here? On the one hand, you're like eagerly desire this stuff, be passionate about the gifts of the Spirit. But then on the other hand, you get to chapter 14 and there seems to be some sort of restrictions and Paul's almost, it can feel like almost that he's tying himself up in knots a little bit. Like tongues are really, really great, but oh, be really careful with tongues and don't go too mad. And that's because he's speaking into this context of Corinth. And so what we're called to do as church is to take hold of this text and say, okay, what is the eternal principle here? Actually, what is it for us in 2017 in Parsons Green? What does God want to say to us? And Paul's big headlines as we trace this stuff through are passionately desire these good gifts that God has for us. Eagerly desire them. But be normal. (laughs) Be intelligible in worship. Relax. Have a sense of humor. Let's not get too too crazy and ecstatic in it. And so the gifts of the Spirit, gosh, what are they? Well, they're found within, um, in our Great salvation story, that, and Tim has been alluded to over these past couple of weeks. That actually, we have this new positional reality in Christ. That in Christ, we have become sons and daughters. We're adopted into God's family, and actually, it goes even deeper than that. Um, Jesus, he says in John to his disciples, "I won't leave you as orphans." Actually, in Christ, God with us, but through the Holy Spirit, God with us. That actually, as Jesus returned to heaven, he said, I'm sending the helper. I'm sending the advocate. God in your midst. God within you. Paul um, loves to wrestle with this idea. If you um, jump back to um, chapter 3, he just writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells among you? You are of Christ and Christ is of God. Actually, the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He unpacks that further in um, his second letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians. That somehow, in this great mystery of faith, we're welcomed into the life of the triune God. We're uh, welcomed into the life of the living God. That God is within and amongst us. And as God is amongst us through the Holy Spirit and by Christ, he offers us the gifts of the Spirit as uh, listed here by Paul. So what exactly? Um, they're literally, I've said I'd never do this, but if you go back to the uh, actual Greek, um, it literally means, <laughs> stop laughing at me, <laughs> it literally means love gift or birthday present. So I thought, um, if you would like to share them around, I'd bring us a good gift. So I um, grab a celebration, share these around. God gives us good gifts. He gives us things to celebrate. This is my lovely assistant cat uh, who knew me in a previous life. So, um, Great. So they're good gifts. But verse 7, that is key. They're given to us for the common good. They're given to us that we might be the body of the church. Actually, Paul's discussion in chapter 12 about, you know, hands and feet, about us all playing a part is key. The gifts are given for the manifestation of the common good, that we might come together and be the body of Christ and serve each other and serve the world outside these uh, four walls well. Paul digs even deeper, if you want to flip to it, in Romans 12, verses 4 to 8. If you just want to flip back a little bit, he goes further into this. So Romans 12, verses 4 to 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, again the analogy of the body, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form the one body and each member belongs to all the others with a community of faith. especially for many of us who may be from more charismatic backgrounds, sometimes we can hold up the kind of supernatural gifts of spirit as this kind of holiness hierarchy, that they're a little bit more spiritual, that actually that person speaking in tongues over there is is a bit more spiritual, a bit more blessed by God than me. No, no. Actually, Paul puts things like service and encouragement and teaching right alongside the supernatural gifts, right alongside prophecy and healing and the gift of tongues and wisdom and faith. There is no holiest hierarchy. Actually, that was one of the issues with Corinth, that they come to understand ecstatic behavior, things like the gift of tongues or prophecy, as more holy, as more significant than the welcome team. And that's just not true to Scripture. Actually, we're all given different gifts for the common good and when I receive the gift of hospitality, that is just as valid as when someone else receives the gift of tongues before the Lord. There is no holiness hierarchy. Um, one of my sort of greatest Christian mentors um, was my old um, associate vicar at a church I worked for in Manchester called Tom. And he was a fully sold out charismatic Christian, an amazing Bible teacher but he said he, in 30 years of being a Christian, had you know, physically felt the Holy Spirit twice in his life. And he didn't speak in tongues and he rarely put his hands up in worship. We were polar opposites. I was always getting totally ecstatic. As was his wife, actually. But anyway, she was a bit different to him. Um, but that was what God had gifted him with. He had utterly, utterly given him the gift of teaching. And it stood right there next to Judy, his wife's uh, gift of tongues and prophecy both valid, both equal, both hugely needed in the church. However, uh, for the sake of time, so that we don't stay here till about 8 p.m. or longer, um, we're just going to look at three of the more supernatural gifts this morning. Uh, this evening. I'm so sorry, it's been a long day. This evening. Um, and two of them, Paul really sort of homes in on it in chapter 14, at Prophecy in Tongues. And then we're going to quickly discuss healing too. And simply because actually those are some of the gifts that sometimes get a bit confused and are pretty active in the kind of charismatic circles that many of us exist in, uh, are going to focus new wine, etc. Maybe some of us have been brought up on Soul Survivor. So we step into those with two, uh, two big headlines, Paul's headlines of eagerly desire, And be intelligible. Many theologians talk about the humility of the Spirit. The humility of the Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful phrase. That actually the Holy Spirit will always point to Christ. And so whenever we're engaging with this stuff, it's Christ-centered. A.W. Tozer puts it another way. He says, don't beg for the Spirit. Glorify Jesus. So what we've just been doing through sung worship, That's how we begin to engage with the Spirit very often. We glorify Jesus. And where Jesus is, the Spirit is there distributing his gifts. The gifts are to be bookended, surrounded by love and unity. That's what Paul's unpacking in a lot of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're given for the common good. They're not an individualistic thing so that I can have a big knees up with Jesus and feel happy. and things. Yes, God wants us to be joyful. Yes, they're good gifts. But actually, they're for each other. They're to serve the body. They're to serve each other. They're not so that we get proud and puffed up. It's the Romans 12 stuff that we approach them and God in humility. They're given to us for good order. Um, chapter 14, verse 33. Paul is so clear. God is a God of order. And so as we engage with this stuff, let there be an order and a sort of natural flow. Um, really practically... Actually, God may give us different gifts for different seasons. It may be that in one season, God gives you the gift of administration. I'm praying for that right now as I start a new job. Um, It may be that for a time, God really gives you the gift of prophecy, that he's just working that out in your life at that moment for his purposes. Just relax into that. Really important to know, as uh, Paul gets to at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, the middle chapter of our section, that actually all these gifts are temporary. That one day Christ will come with the new creation. And all of this will pass away. Actually, these gifts are given to us because we live in this interim period. Tim's um, been teaching us about that, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And that's where we find the gifts of the Spirit. It's really important with healing, especially, um, as we'll just approach that now, that um, we understand that now and not yet tension. That yes, in the person of Jesus Christ... The kingdom of God broke in, and Christ blew open that temple curtain, as um, Matthew depicts in uh, chapter 26 of Matthew, and just said, come in, come in, full access, full access to the Father, full access to God. That actually, at the end of Mark, Jesus' commission is, you know, go into all the world and make disciples, and these signs will accompany uh, you. You will drive out demons in my name, you will speak in new tongues, you will lay your hands on the sick, and they will become well. We live in that reality we also live in the tension of the not yet. Actually, not everybody Jesus met was healed. The people he actively prayed for were, but there were also those who weren't. We live between the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Actually, as Christians, we're looking forward to, I'm going to use the word again, the eschatological (laughs) reality of the new creation. Actually, we're looking forward to this moment when God comes and sets this right, totally right. And we kind of go forwards to Eden. And the world is all that God ever intended it to be. So we're between the trees almost, the tree of the cross and the tree of the new creation. And we find healing and prophecy and tongues and all that God uh, would give us within that framework of the now and not yet. And in reality, um, that means that we should pray for healing for people. And people are healed and we need to be bold in that. But they're not always. Um, in my own life, um, when I was three years old, um, I got meningitis, and the doctors said to my parents that if I didn't die, I'd basically be a vegetable in a bed for the rest of my life. Um, my parents, my as a vicar, really on fire Christians, and they just said, you know what, we're, we're going to pray against that. And I got better, and, and it was a miracle. The doctors were like, this doesn't happen, you know. Um, that's the now of the kingdom. Equally, um, I remember when I was about 13, um, There was a young lad in our church, he was three years old, um, and he got leukemia, uh, Jack, and his parents, again, good, godly, on fire for God people. And we prayed and we prayed, and he didn't get healed, and he's in glory now. And that's hard, but it doesn't mean God isn't good. And so we boldly pray for healing, but we trust the eternal purposes of God that one day our unanswered questions will be answered fully in Christ. Um, at a really practical level of healing, um, I hope this isn't patronizing at all, but just you know, a few ways to pray for healing for people. Um, one, relax. You know, we don't need to babble away to God so much. He can hear uh, what we think, what we're feeling, what we're praying. So if someone comes forward for healing, um, just lightly lay a hand on them. Um, You might want to ask what they're praying, uh, asking healing for. Um, If it's a knee or something like that, do lay a hand on the knee. If it's a less appropriate body part, maybe just stick with the shoulder and, you know, bless what God's doing and fix. Always quite a good idea to kind of just pray in two. So if there's someone else around, and and people of the same sex to pray with, uh, people of the same sex. So if there's someone else around, grab them and just pray. And just, you know, in Jesus' name, we ask this person is healed. And then step back and wait. And relax and see what the Lord does. It might feel right to uh, then pray for them again. Um, take take its situation. But hold it lightly as well as with authority. You have full authority in Jesus Christ. The Bible exhorts us. The Spirit exhorts us to pray for healing. To call down kingdom realities. But actually it's up to God what happens, not us. So we hold that tension together. Um, prophecy. and We must get on or we'll have no time for prayer ministry. Um, A few basic principles of prophecy. Uh, Is it biblical? Okay, God doesn't do anything. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anything that goes against his word. So to be quite frank, because I was a youth pastor for years, if you think God is telling you that you can sleep with your girlfriend outside of marriage, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's blunt, but it's truth. Um, The Bible says that actually our relationship before God in a sexual capacity is one man, one woman in marriage. Okay. So you need to test stuff. Is it biblical? Actually, is it backed up by the eternal purposes of scripture? Is it uplifting? Is it edifying? Is it for the common good? Does it help that person come closer to Christ? Does it point to Jesus? Does it lift the body up? Um, I remember years and years ago, um, when I was about 15, I grew up in a really charismatic environment, Um, and my dad invited this prophet person to come and speak, and he was generally very good. Um, But I was a little sort of 14, 15-year-old girl sitting in the chairs, feeling a bit awkward as you do when you're that age and things, and this guy looked at me, and he went, you, stand up. He made me stand up, which was like mortifying at 14. Um, And then he just looked at me, and he went, it's hard, but it's going to get harder. And that was it. And I was like... (laughs) Uh, what? Uh, and it was just like deeply, deeply unhelpful. Um, <laughs> my dad apologized. He wasn't invited back, um, et cetera. Okay. So is it helpful? You know, let, let's just, let's be sensible with this stuff. Be normal. Okay. And not, you know, be prophets of doom, etc. cetera. So yeah. Is it helpful? Is it biblical? Does it point the person to Christ? Does it lift the body up? Um and just to relax and um, test it, you know, have a go. Me and Tim were talking today, To we just really want to encourage you guys, have a go, especially in a life brute setting. That, that's a safe setting. If you feel that God is giving you a word or a picture, just offer it. Nothing terrible will happen if that person's not so sure or whatever. Let's exercise this muscle, so to speak. Let's eagerly desire the gifts. Let's put them um, into practice. And expectation, you know, sometimes what about when it feels like God is really, really quiet? I've certainly had that over um, my life. Um, when I was first being kind of called into ministry, I'd just finished university, um, and God really clearly called me to this church in Manchester. And it was a very like Jonah and the Wales style experience. Everywhere I went, people were saying things to me like, you just have to go, and all this sort of thing. And it, it was so loud and so clear. Um, and I kind of thought, well, God's always going to speak like that. And then when I um, really felt it was time to move on and um, began to feel called to uh, church just up the road, St. Paul's Hammersmith, to um, do their youth ministry and things, um, I thought it was going to be exactly the same. And I remember being in Uganda and um, I'd been offered the job and I was umming and worrying about whether I should take it or not. And I was expecting some Ugandan pastor to emerge somewhere and go, I've got a picture of a hammer a smith and you know it was going to be this like big headline from the lord and It just didn't happen and eventually my mate p um who's a cure of um hdb now and stuff just sat me down and was like lids you just got to use your common sense and take the flipping job and that was it you know and it, it was just different in different circumstances that's okay sometimes god will speak with a megaphone a lot of the time he's given us common sense he's given us the spirit let's just test this stuff and then um, walk it out in faith And finally, um, tongues. I don't really have time to get into a huge, deep discussion, because chapter 14 and tongues is super complex with Paul. Um, The main thing in this text is to know that sometimes it can kind of feel that maybe Paul's putting a bit of a limitation on tongues, like there's only allowed to be three tongues in a church service, and there must always be an interpreter and things. I think a lot of that is context-specific. As we were saying, these Corinthian chaps have gone a bit ecstatic and things. Again... What the eternal principle is, is eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So eagerly desire the gift of tongues, along with the other things that we've talked about this evening. But be intelligible, be normal. So actually, in our worshipping life, which is very different to first century Corinth, they certainly didn't have a sound system or a guitar, probably. Maybe they had a sort of little Greek ukulele, who knows. Anyway, um, tangent. Um, so... It, I've totally lost my train of thought. What was the same Tongues, right, great. So in our um, worshiping context, um, actually, if people begin to sing in tongues, in adoration, that, that's probably a good thing, a, a space to feel comfortable. So let's allow that to, to bubble up where it does arise in our worshiping life. Um, chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, human or angelic tongues, a lot of um, the tongues that we may be given that the Lord may bless us with, they may really be a language of heaven. And actually that's used within our worshiping life. That's imperative that we sing out to the Lord like that. And I speak in tongues. I don't know whether it's a human tongue or an angelic tongue, but I find it just wonderful to worship the Lord quietly, sometimes loudly, to be fair, um, in tongues, Um, especially when gathered in worship, be it here or be it in a kind of small group setting, or even on my own, if you have the horror of living with me. Um, So yeah, tongues in worshiping life. Equally, the gift of tongues is part of our prayer life sometimes. Um, In Romans 8, Paul talks about the groan of the Spirit, Actually, when we get to that point in prayer where we just don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So sometimes in a corporate prayer meeting, or maybe when you're um, praying with a friend or, or just having your quiet time, it might be that you want to exercise that gift of tongues. you want to allow the spirit to, to pray. Um, I find that an incredible blessing that the Lord has, has given that to me, because I so often get to the point in prayer where I'm like, God, I just don't know. What can pray quietly in tongues, allow it to be at the heartbeat of God. And so we've got some good time for ministry, which is wonderful because that's largely what all of this is about. Um, a good, good father who loves us, longing to shower us with gifts, who's saying, come on my children, passionately, eagerly desire this stuff. I've got it here for you. But equally, it's all me, and I'm a God of order, and you can just relax in it. You don't need to hype it up, and actually everything is on an equal footing. So, um, can I invite you to stand, and uh, maybe the worship band want to come back? Perhaps we'll begin in a moment of choir. Um, We're just going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do this evening, if that's okay with everybody. Um, if you're comfortable with this, you might just want to put your hands out in front of you. That's not whipping anything up. or It's just a way of almost saying, uh, Lord, here I am. I'd love to receive whatever it is that, that you've got for me. It's just, just that simple. And we'll just pray in the choir, and then um, Tim will come in and help lead, and we'll see where we we'll go with ministry. So, Father, we just worship you. We look to Christ by the Spirit. We love you. And we love that you long to bless us in every possible way. And so we just pray that age-old prayer of the church here. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.